Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the Swine Health Information Center has five new research projects approved for funding under the $2.3 million Wean to Harvest Biosecurity Research Program. It's an initiative launched to enhance biosecurity during the wean to harvest phase of pork production. Associate Director Dr. Megan Niederwerder is here to talk about the programs and five institutions, including Lowe Consulting, Pipestone Research, Texas Tech University, the University of Missouri and the University of Montreal have all been awarded funding. It is a canola disease that is moving east across the prairies, starting in Manitoba, now gaining a foothold in eastern portions of Saskatchewan. The ideal time for scouting for verticillium stripe is at harvest when symptoms are most obvious. Verticillium is also similar in appearance to two other well-known canola diseases, blackleg and sclerotinia stem rot. Courtney Boyacek is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada based in western Manitoba. She will talk about the spread and the proper way to scout. After the break, Dr. Megan Niederwerder. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. With me is Dr. Megan Niederwerder. She's the Associate Director of the Swine Health Information Centre. And five new research projects have been approved for funding under the Wean to Harvest Biosecurity Research Program. First of all, Megan, just explain a little bit about this particular program. Yes, the Wean to Harvest Biosecurity Research Program was uh, founded last fall in uh, 2022 and it really it was in response to data that had been generated uh, by the swine health information center through both disease monitoring programs as well as research projects that identified a higher prevalence rate of infections of endemic diseases in the post weaning phases of pork production and really what we were able to identify was that diseases seem to be transmitted easily or more easily from farm to farm in those post-weaning phases, such as PERS, uh, PEDV, as well as actinobacillus pleuronemoniae. And we really wanted to look at how do we improve and enhance the biosecurity in the wean to harvest phase, really to protect the entire industry from not only endemic diseases, but also foreign animal diseases. So what types of research has round two focused on? Yes, in round two, we really targeted five key areas. And that was because those key areas had not been adequately addressed in the round one of proposal submission. So we had a proposal submission due in October of 2022. And then we selected 10 projects that were initiated in March of 2023. That was our round one of this program. In round two, we focused on these five key areas, again, because we had not funded yet projects that had I are targeting new tools, new technologies in these areas. And so the five key areas included personnel biocontainment and bioexclusion, mortality management, truck wash efficiency, as well as alternatives to fix truck wash, such as that uh, new tool or technology, which could be mobile or deployed. And then finally, the fifth area was packing plant biocontainment. We really thought that if we could target those five areas, 
we would be able to develop these new tools for pork producers to really have a comprehensive biosecurity approach. All right, so tell us who has received approval for this round of projects. There were five institutions that received funding through this second round of the Wean to Harvest Biosecurity Research Program. Those institutions include Low Consulting, Pipestone Research, Texas Tech University, University of Missouri, and University of Montreal. Those five institutions received funding for one project each, and these projects really highlight some of those targeted key areas. Each project focuses on either enhancement of personnel or truck wash, truck wash efficiencies. And so when we think about these projects, they're really investigating new tools that may overcome labor shortages, such as reducing the need for contract vaccination and cleaning crews to enter into the farm. We know that if we reduce those needs uh, for individuals to enter the farm, it not only overcomes the labor shortage, but it reduces the the biosecurity risk of personnel uh, necessitating the need for personnel to go from one farm to the next. These are really looking also at novel farm entry and truck wash protocols, so really updating the bench entry, thinking about an alternative to shower in, shower out facilities. How do we make entry into the farm more biosecure in a novel way? And also looking at the psychology and motivation of personnel that are on the farm. How do we adapt our biosecurity protocols or training to really um, inform individuals and motivate them to carry out biosecurity protocols consistently on a day-to-day basis. In total, how many projects have been approved? With this second round, we now have a total of 15 projects that have been funded under the Wean to Harvest Biosecurity Research Program, again, with funds that have been leveraged from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research, the Pork Checkoff, and the Swine Health Information Center. The total amount of dollars that have been allocated to these projects thus far is $1.5 million. These projects have all now been initiated, and we anticipate that uh, we will, of course, release results as early as they become available, but the projects are typically about one year in duration. So that allows us to get a progress report approximately six months into the project, understanding what information or data has been generated thus far, and then a final report at the conclusion of the study, uh, usually again, 12 months from the project commencement. And what are your plans right now for additional projects? Yes, we have extended the round two Uh, proposal deadline because we are continuing to look for research priorities that have not been completely addressed in these uh, projects that have been funded thus far. So this round two has been extended in a rolling fashion, meaning we are continuing to accept proposals until those research priorities and research uh, projects have been fulfilled and funded. And so some of the researchable priorities that we continue to solicit proposals for include packing plant or other first point of uh, concentration biocontainment, 
How do we prevent pathogens from leaving the packing plant and, and being transported on trucks and trailers back to the farm? Also, we continue to look for alternatives to tra traditional truck wash, including uh, cleaning and disinfection without the use of water or without the use of heat after an initial water flush. We're also looking for artificial intelligence technologies or other novel tools to monitor, evaluate, and provide feedback for biosecurity compliance. We continue to look for mortality management projects to identify what's the most biosecure way to manage mortality uh, and disposal. And then also looking at industry barriers to biosecurity adoption and compliance. We wanna understand why biosecurity protocols may not be completed every day. And again, what's the barriers to that adoption? So we continue to uh, accept proposals for these research priorities. We have continued funds available in the Wean to Harvest Biosecurity Research Program. And again, really encourage anyone who's interested in this program to submit a proposal or reach out with questions as we're really looking and eager for these new tools and technologies to be developed, uh, researched, and then of course, uh, informed back to our pork producers so that they can start to implement these procedures and enhance biosecurity. Tell us what the process is uh, to submit an application or to get more information. We have all this information on our website. It's swinehealth.org. Then we have a web page specifically addressed uh, on our, our website for Wean to Harvest Biosecurity. It's along the top line of our webpage. If you want to click on that, you can learn all about the program, including um, information about the round one projects that were funded, the round two projects that were funded, as well as our continued proposal solicitation for this rolling deadline on round two. Again, we're eager to get these projects started and encourage anyone to submit a proposal that's interested in the program. Megan, any final thoughts? We will for sure uh, report back these results as soon as they become available. But if you have interest in learning about the projects as they are published and reported, I encourage you to sign up to receive our SHIC newsletter. It is a monthly newsletter that we send out that uh, will have these projects, their progress, any findings, and of course, any lessons that have been learned that could be applied on the farm. Dr. Megan Niederwerder is the Associate Director of the Swine Health Information Center. After the break, Courtney Boyechuk, an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, will talk about the spread of verticillium stripe and why harvest is good time to be scouting for the disease. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Courtney Boyechuk is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, and she's based in Western Manitoba, we're talking about verticillium stripe, and uh, this is something, Courtney, that uh, really becomes most obvious during the harvest season. So we typically start to see symptoms kind of around 60% seed color change. So for some parts of the province, you would start seeing it now. For other parts that are a little bit later, maybe not. Last year in 2022, we saw a lot of verticillium along the Manitoba and Saskatchewan border, um, and it is creeping its way west. Not to say that it wasn't in Western Saskatchewan, because it probably was. We just didn't uh, find it in the disease survey. Verticillium and sclerotinia do have a few 
similarities. The main thing that we're looking for with verticillium is that when you're taking a cross section of the plant, so you're cutting the plant right at the root, kind of almost at soil level, when you're looking inside, it should see kind of like a grayish hue, kind of in a starburst pattern. That's a pretty distinct feature of verticillium, which you're not going to see with sclerotinia. The other thing too is that like sclerotinia, verticillium the stem tissue will kind of strip away like wallpaper, except underneath when where that tissue is being stripped away, you're going to see microsclerotia, which looks like someone took a pepper shaker to the inside of a canola plant. And that's, that's the sexual body of verticillium, and that's what germinates in the soil every year. So that's kind of how we would differentiate between sclerotinia and verticillium, is seeing that microsclerotia in the stem. Is lodging common? In this uh, for this particular disease? Lodging can be caused by a lot of different things, weather, your fertility. But one of the things that verticillium does is that verticillium, as the sclerotia move up the stem tissue, it cuts off the water and nutrient supply. So half of the plant will be dying and half of the plant will still be thriving. And oftentimes, you know, if there's any sort of weather event, and half of that plant is already dead, it's easier for it to fall over. So verticillium will be a factor in lodging. It won't be the only factor when it comes to lodging, but it certainly doesn't help. Is it possible to have sclerotinia, blackleg, and verticillium in the same field? Absolutely. Verticillium and blackleg are really found hand in hand, or at least that's what we saw last year. So definitely knowing the difference between the three major diseases is going to be key when, when we're talking with agronomists, when agronomists talking to producers about, you know, what we're going to do next year from a control standpoint. But absolutely, you can see all three in one field. If that's the case, if you think that you're seeing a few different things going on, I highly encourage producers to send samples off for testing. They can do so at the PSI lab in Manitoba, the Discovery Lab, or the 2020 Seas Lab, just to confirm what exactly you're seeing in the field. What are we looking at as far as potential yield losses from verticillium? That's something that's still unknown to us. We're working on that with researchers. We're not 100% sure yet. Verticillium is uh, quite common in Manitoba. How long has it been there since uh, it was detected and you're really seeing uh, expansion of it? We found it uh, in 2015, just south of Winnipeg. It was there, but it wasn't really causing any major damage. And then kind of in 2019, 2020 is when things, when verticillium really started to move a little bit. We started to see it more in the fields and when we started to you know, do a little bit more research on it. Is verticillium um, an issue in other countries? Yeah, so it's been found in Europe as early as the 90s uh, in various countries over there, mainly in their rapeseed crops. If a producer finds verticillium stripe in their field, what are your recommendations to them? Obviously, uh, uh, not growing canola again immediately, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so as of right now, there's no, um, you know, seed treatments or fungicides that can help deal with it. We also don't have genetic resistance to combat verticillium. So we're really looking at um, best management practices like equipment sanitization, 
verticillium is a soil-borne disease, so we want to make sure that we're not moving it from field to field. So just, you know, hosing off equipment or even, you know, kicking dirt off the truck tires and and equipment uh, before we're moving field to field. Um, In years where we don't have canola in that field, making sure that we're getting control of our host weeds, which is wild mustard, volunteer canola. And then, of course, our rotation is going to be key in breaking up that disease cycle. So we're recommending... um, a three-year rotation in between canola crops just to make sure that we're not giving verticillium anywhere to go. We're not giving it a host to continue to spread. Now, I understand that ideally harvest is the time to be looking for verticillium in your field, uh, making some time, of course, really important to detect this disease. So what are some of your scouting tips? So if you're going in, let's say, before harvest to check for swath timing, you can see verticillium developing at about anywhere between 30 to 60% seed color change. So if you're going to go out before you swath, definitely be walking into the field in your W pattern, making sure that you're clipping canola stalks at ground level, looking at that cross section, looking for the starburst pattern. Uh, It'll be different from black leg in that black leg is more of a distinct black wedge in the uh, in the cross section and verticillium, more of that starburst pattern. And if you're going out maybe after you've swathed or post harvest, you're still going to be looking for that cross section if the if you get out soon enough. Um, you're also going to be looking for microsclerotia in the stem, like that peppering. Um, you're also going to be looking for shredding of the uh, epidermis, so the the stem tissue. And yeah, that's re- that's really what you're looking for. Courtney Boyacek is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada based in western Manitoba. To learn more about verticillium stripe, which is a relatively new canola disease that can be hard to distinguish from black leg and sclerotinia stem rot, you can find more on the Canola Council of Canada website. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of August 28, 2023. Statistics Canada said agroclimate and satellite data are pointing to less grain and oilseed production compared to last year. The federal agency released its first crop estimates for 2023. National spring wheat production is pegged at 22.1 million metric tons based on an average yield of 42.6 bushels an acre. Production estimate is 14.5% lower than last year, while the spring wheat yield would be down 20%. Dry conditions over a significant part of Saskatchewan and Alberta are the main reason. Statistics Canada believes Canadian canola production will be 6.1% lower than last year at 17.6 million tonnes. The national average canola yield is forecast at 35.4 bushels an acre. Oat acreage was down substantially, nearly 50%. As a result, oat production is forecast to plummet 64% to 924,000 tons, making it the smallest oat crop in more than a decade. Russian President Vladimir Putin set a landmark deal allowing Ukraine to export grain safely through the Black Sea amid the war, won't be restored until the West meets Moscow's demands on its own agricultural exports. Ukraine and its Western allies have dismissed the Kremlin's demands as a ploy to advance their own interests. Still, Putin's remarks dashed hopes that his talks with the Turkish president could revive an agreement seen as vital for global food supplies, especially in Africa, the Middle East and Asia. Russia refused to extend the deal in July, complaining that a parallel agreement promising to remove obstacles to Russian exports of food and fertilizer hadn't been honored. 
The Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance is praising the Canadian government for opposing Mexico's biotech corn ban. Back in February, Mexico announced it was banning the use of genetically modified corn and tortillas and dough by gradually substituting the use of biotech corn in all products used for human consumption or animal feed. Canada will step in as a third party in the dispute settlement panel proceedings, which the U.S. is challenging Mexico's ban. The executive director of the Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance, Michael Harvey, said they want Mexico to adhere to the rules of the free trade agreement. The cattle sector is hoping satellite technology will be the answer for providing forage insurance comparable to how multi-parallel insurance works for grain farmers. Collaboration between Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, the three Prairie Crop Insurance Agencies, Canadian Cattle Association, Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association, and Global Agri-Solutions in an effort will make satellite-based forage insurance a reality. Global Agri-Solutions, or GARS, is known for its margin-based insurance offering for grain producers. In recent years, it expanded into data science and analytics, is doing the work to refine satellite imagery into a usable insurance product. The final report to the group from GARS is slated for January. BC farmers said they were increasingly concerned about climate change and the impacts of extreme weather on food production in the province. Because of its warm climate, BC has a unique agriculture industry. The province's farmers can grow fruit and vegetables that won't grow in other parts of Canada, and BC also boasts Western Canada's only major winery regions. But in the last three years, BC farmers have suffered through drought, extreme heat, flooding, and fires. Those disasters have resulted in crop failures, livestock losses, and widespread damage to farmland and infrastructure. For the first time in five years, the United States Department of Agriculture was forecasting national net farm income will fall nearly 23% in 2023, coming down from a record high in 2022. Net farm income, defined by the USDA as a broad measure of profits, has risen each in the last five years, but will come down $41.7 billion to $141.3 billion in 2023. The forecast projects farm cash receipts will fall 4.3% overall, while expenses have risen 6.9%. The report comes out as Congress is expected to draft a new farm bill this fall. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.